All right. Well, this is Hashtag History Episode 52. I'm Rachel. And I am Leah. And for my first episode of Season 6, we are discussing... (laughs) The Titanic. In case you couldn't tell, that's what that was. (laughs) This is truly, truly one of the most tragic events to occur in history. And possibly one of my most favorite episodes to ever research. It really was so fun albeit tragic. And I learned so much and got such a better understanding about what really happened that fateful night. I am so excited because I I know the surface level stuff. We're going to go underwater. We're going deep. Diving deep. We're diving deep on this one. Not just surface level. (laughs) We're going underwater with this one, folks. It's not. It's like an iceberg. I know the tip. (laughs) I know the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, iceberg. It's interesting you mentioned that. Yeah. It's going to come up. Yeah, weird. It is. Weird. Anyway, so this was one of those pieces of historical research where you just can't separate yourself from the actual event and from the very real emotions and fear that existed on that night. There were, were several moments during my research when I had to pause because I really felt like I was there and then, you know, had a panic attack. Yeah, so. as, as you do in 2020. As one does. <laughs> so I'm really excited to share all of this with you. We will be doing a deep dive into the history of the Titanic, no pun intended with the deep dive thing. Yeah. Um, a timeline of its fateful maiden voyage. I'm sorry that I stole your joke. Uh, that's okay. I didn't it, know. It was, no, I know you didn't. It was bound to happen because <laughs> we say deep dive in every episode. Yeah. So, and it's very relevant in this one. Yeah. We're going to do a spotlight on a few important characters, what has changed as a result of the sinking of the Titanic. And then, of course, we will be discussing a few of the conspiracy theories surrounding the sinking of the Titanic because, of course, there are always conspiracy theories, some of which include the theory that J.P. Morgan was behind the whole thing. Hmm. That Catholics knew from the very beginning that the Titanic was doomed. That the sinking of the Titanic was doomed from the beginning because um, bad luck mummies. <laughs> no, seriously, mummies curse. Oh. True. <clears throat> or perhaps the best of all, that the Titanic never actually sank because it had been switched out last minute with its nearly identical sister ship, the Olympic. Hmm. I can't wait to take a deep dive into this week's topic. Although hopefully we don't hit any icebergs along the way. I stole all your jokes. All of them. (laughs) I guess they're they're very basic jokes. Anyway, first, Leah, my friend, you have a cocktail for us to try? I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And this is Hashtag History. The podcast for both history nerds and history haters alike. Where we dive into history's greatest stories of controversy, conspiracy, and corruption. Wow, I call you my Vanna White and I'm just Yeah, we're friend. we're just friends. We're <laughs> hashtag just friends. You were my cream cheese. <laughs> and I'm just what if, friend. What if I said you were the salsa to my tortilla chips? That's huge. That's huge. That's Wow. The biggest compliment someone could give me. I know. I know. That's why I said it. Okay. All right. That's fine. All right. We're back. Okay. Cocktails. Yes. Tonight's cocktail is a creation of my own making called the iceberg. Listen, I know it is effing dark to make a drink inspired by the death, but Mm -hmm. I mean, it's what we do. It is what we do. So. Anyways, the iceberg. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) The iceberg contains one part dark rum to one part blue curacao to one part fresh pomegranate juice. We've been using a lot of blue curacao and probably you've noticed pomegranate juice lately. Yeah. Because I have endless large surplus of pomegranate juice freshly squeezed. My uh, parents-in-law have pomegranates in their backyard. Yes. Pomegranates. Lots of pomegranates. We have so yes. many. I even we yeah. I'm I'm including myself in this. We have lots of pomegranates. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Those are the main ingredients. So you're going to take those three ingredients and then you're going to um shake it preferably in a shaker with ice and it gives it this pr- blue purplish color that mm-hmm. reminds me of the freezing cold Atlantic. Yes. Now, after you shake it, you pour it over a large ice cube to represent said iceberg and it looks like it the drink looks like it has a little iceberg floating in it yeah 
And then you're going to squeeze half a lemon or just lemon juice mm-hmm. topped with a uh, pineapple hard seltzer. We're using Truly. Yum. Really good. And then you garnish with fresh or frozen pineapple, which I just threw chunks of it in. It's Love good. it. This is a drink I've been perfecting during our off season, trying to get rid of my blue curacao. Uh-huh. And I've actually come to quite like it. Yay. it. It's fruity. It's sweet. The hard salsa makes it very potent, if you will. <laughs> um, and I want to know your thoughts. So clink, clink. Ooh, it's very potent. This is this is amazing. It really is because of the I mean, it's very good, but the look of it is very cool. I mean, it really looks like an iceberg is floating yeah. in the blue water. And obviously, when I was making it over the break, I didn't do like a single large ice cube. I just came up with that idea, and I thought it was perfect. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. I love it so much. I can't wait for our listeners to see the picture of this drink because it's very, very, very cool. So also, just to, um, wanted to do a little Titanic liquor fun fact for you. Ooh. Yeah. Reports from 100 years ago say that among the provisions when the ship left Southampton were 1,000 bottles of wine, 850 bottles of spirits for the 2,220 passengers Uh and crew. Beyond the alcohol, more than 1,000 bottles of soft drinks, soda water, lemonade, and orange juice were also on board. Oh, my God. And I'm just like... Why does my mind go to that poor liquor is probably at the bottom of the ocean right now? (laughs) Well, actually, we are going to much, much, much later in the episode discuss a man who literally saved his own life by drinking a ton of whiskey. Oh, I am so excited for that. Yeah. So so at least some of it's not at the bottom of the ocean. Right. All the stuff that this singular man consumed. Well, if you want to rate it. Oh, let me do i think i'm gonna say nine again it's the look really the look does it what are you putting it at uh nine as well we're doing so good yeah what i feel like last season we started out with like started yeah it started really low it (laughs) got better over time 100 got better yeah okay so let's talk some titanic history (laughs) we know the rms titanic as the luxury steamship that took off on april 10th 1912 but sank only days later in the early early morning hours of april 15th 1912 after striking an iceberg of the 2240 yes the, the numbers do fluctuate i'll say that because um with the tickets, there were several people that last minute didn't didn't end up okay. getting on board, but they still had tickets. And so the numbers fluctuate a bit. The most consistent number that I saw was 2,240 passengers okay. and crew. I trust your research better than <laughs> mine, to be honest. I, well, but, but it does change depending upon source. A lot yeah. of these numbers do. Okay. Um, we do know, though, that of those 2,240 passengers and crew members, that 1,500 of them would die. That's so many. It's so many. I like the way that history.com phrased it. They said that the story of the Titanic is one of, quote, a cautionary tale about the perils of human hubris. Mm. I mean, that's it. It really, it really, everything I know about it, it's like if they had just not tried to beat that record or if they had just not tried to show off. Yes, absolutely. 100%. What this new improved ship Innovation was, yes. Early 1900s was a time that transatlantic passenger travel was huge, not only for the wealthy to go on fancy schmancy trips, but also for the number of people immigrating at this time. This will come as no surprise that the conception of the Titanic was the result of competition and greed. Mm -hmm. We just talked about that. The transatlantic passenger trade was super lucrative. At this time, the two major names in the field were White Star and Cunard. 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 <laughs> I don't know why that was hard. By 1907, Cunard had already built two passenger cruise liners, one of which was the Lusitania, which any history buffs out there recognize this name because this was the ship that was sunk by the Germans in 1915 and was a huge precursor to the U.S. declaring war on Germany. But I digress. The Cunard ships were super impressive, not only for their luxury, but also for their speed. In fact, they would go on to set records for speed that would not be beat for another 22 years. That's crazy, right? Yes. We talked about this in our Hindenburg. Wait. Yeah. Our Hindenburg episode. Speed is always a huge, huge asset when it comes to travel. Yeah. We always want to get where we are going faster, right? God, yes. Please. Please. (laughs) Get me there faster, please. (laughs) 
To compete with Cuner, the chairman of White Star, J. Bruce Ismay, met with shipbuilders Harland and Wolf, who had been building ships for White Star since 1867. They put their heads together and began designing two new ships. They chose not to attempt to compete with the speed of the Cunard ships. Rather, they chose to compete on the basis of size and luxury. They were determined to build the most luxurious ships on the ocean. With money not a factor, that's nice, <laughs> Harland and Wolf built the Olympic for $7.5 million, which is the equivalent of $195.1 million in today's money. And the Titanic for roughly the same amount. I wonder what ships today cost, like normal yeah, average don't. cruise ships. Well, um, w- <laughs> uh, you're giving away all my shit. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> These were sister ships and were nearly identical, being built simultaneously right alongside each other. The Titanic was unlike anything the world had ever seen before. In addition to being gigantic, it was 882 feet and nine inches long, weighing 46,328 gross tons and had the capacity to house 2,453 passengers, making it the largest ship in existence at this time. So they were so close to capacity. Wait. Okay. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. I'm very glad you said that. Um, so yeah, the, the capacity was 2,453 passengers. We're going to talk about that. Okay. The Titanic also boasted elevators, a swimming pool, a gym, a saloon, and more. And which nowadays, anyone who's been on a cruise is sure. like, yeah. But and? no, in, in 1912. But no, this was it. Like, this was where that started. Revolutionary. If you've seen the movie Titanic, you have essentially seen what the inside of the Titanic really looked like. In particular, we have to talk about the grand staircase. I have a picture of the staircase from the original Titanic ship here for you, Leah. Okay, I feel like I'm just going to get flashbacks of watching Titanic when yes. I was 12 years old. Okay, yes, whoa, yes. whoa. Yep, it's literally, if you've ever seen the movie. Yes. If you've ever, I'm just picturing Leo standing up there. Waiting for Rose. Waiting for Rose. So yeah, it's this this beautiful wooden, you can see the like wood carved stair, like staircase. It's It's stunning. It's stunning. It's luxury. Yes, yes. Even to today's standards, like that would be luxury. Luxury. Yes, completely agree. The staircase was made with oak, iron and glass james cameron made sure to make this staircase identical and he did he did it is. in the 1997 film yeah. the titanic had 10 decks three of which were reserved for cargo and machinery and crew so passengers could hang out on the promenade the bridge the shelter the saloon the upper the middle and or the lower decks <laughs> we just turned that into a song yeah <laughs> the titanic was split up by class first second and third class while each of these classes had different sets of accommodations even the third class accommodations were still better than third class accommodations on most ships what is really outrageous to consider are ticket prices mm. first class tickets ranged anywhere from in two days money seventeen hundred dollars to fifty thousand I could see seventeen hundred for first class. Like, couldn't you? Like a a week long cruise. I guess you're saying, like all inclusive. That's yeah, the okay. food. That's the booze. That's okay, right? Because they're not paying I, for that I, stuff. What I heard you ask was not. Um, can't you imagine that for first class people? I heard you ask. Can't you imagine you paying that? And that's why I was looking at you like, Fuck no, no, I'm for first class. Okay, which would not be me. Yeah, I am not a first class citizen. No, we're. <laughs> third class yeah gals. we're we're gonna get to we're, those third we're class. technically second class gals who choose third class <laughs> we, are, we are a chosen third class yes yes uh the second class tickets again in today's money were roughly 700 dollars. okay yeah third class tickets in today's money ranged anywhere from 170 to 400 dollars so 170 third class yeah passenger. 170 to cross the atlantic on a ship with pool and stuff and again the accommodations for a third class were not as great as of course the first class and but they, they didn't still have were... access right to a lot of those like correct yeah correct we are going to get into a lot of kind of class discrimination later mm-hmm. when the titanic took off on april 10th 1912 there were approximately 1317 people on board 325 in first class 284 in second class and 709 in third class. Of these passengers, approximately 66% were men, and 107 of the passengers were children. The Titanic, we talked about this, could house 2,453 passengers. So the fact that the Titanic set off with only 1,317 passengers is way under capacity. Yeah. 
There was a coal strike going on in the UK, which meant that many crossings had been canceled. So many people decided to postpone travel plans until the strike ended. There were 913 crew members on board. Speaking of passengers, there were some pretty famous people on board the Titanic for its maiden voyage that we have to talk about. Some of these people included John Jacob Astor. John J- Jacob. <laughs> John Jacob Astor the fourth. Literally the second you said that. Had to. Had to. Uh, he was the millionaire who, at the time of the sinking of the Titanic, was considered one of the richest people in the world and was for sure the richest passenger on board the Titanic. Mm. Wealthy businessman Benjamin Guggenheim. Guggenheim. Margaret Brown, later known as the unsinkable Molly Brown. Who is a character in the movie. Played by... Kathy Bates. Yes. she And she was known for her efforts to encourage the crew to turn one of the lifeboats around to look for survivors. Mm-hmm. Isidore Strauss, the owner of Macy's, and his wife, Ida. Thomas Andrews, the designer of the Titanic, and White Star Chairman J. Bruce now I Ismay. Might, I might be stealing some thunder here again, but did all these people survive? I'm I'm glad you asked that you're not stealing thunder. The majority of them did die. Oh, did die? Yes. Okay. I, I know where you were going with that is that the assumption is that first class people. Famous people. And this is true. As we get to statistics later, a greater number of first class passengers did okay. survive versus third class. Um, but the majority of these people did unfortunately pass away. Um, and we will get into all of that later. Okay. Okay. Now, before we officially reach launch day, and while we are still on the topic of mechanics and logistics of this whole operation, we have to discuss the Titanic's unique safety features. I have a picture here for you to look at, Leo, while I describe one of these safety features. Okay. Okay. So there were 16 compartments that had electric watertight doors that could close off each of the compartments should there be a breach and water got onto the ship. This Little, like, box-type things across the bottom. Here. Yes. Okay. There's 16 there. Yep. Okay. What am I supposed to describe here? There's nothing to describe. Okay. Okay. (laughs) This concept meant that the water could be contained. Unfortunately, though, this particular safety feature would actually lead to the downfall of the Titanic, which we will get to. Mm -hmm. Additionally, the number of lifeboats available to passengers and crew was totally inadequate. There were only six lifeboats on the ship which could accommodate 1,178 people which is only a third of the Titanic's passengers and crew. I Today, because of this, because of this, that would not fly. No, and we will get to that. It doesn't. It it doesn't in today's standards. Um, As we will later learn as well, they were not filling these lifeboats to capacity as the Titanic was sinking. That's one of the, like watching the movie, I get so, I get heated. Yes, but we will get to why there really isn't a whole conspiracy theory with that. It really is just that these people were not trained to fill these lifeboats. Which is another issue. Yes. In addition to that, there were originally supposed to be 64 lifeboats on the Titanic, but they later decided to cut down on this number because the designers and owners felt that too many lifeboats would obstruct the view of the first class passengers. Yeah, it wasn't cute to have lifeboats. (laughs) It wasn't cute. It is worth noting, though, that the number of lifeboats on the Titanic actually exceeded the standard British Board of Trade's requirements at that time. But they also had never had a ship that big. Well, and and that's exactly. When you build a ship, you never, ever expect for the whole thing to go down. You don't. Yeah. If lifeboats are needed, it's generally because of some small accident. Yeah. The Titanic, along with any and every other ship at the time, was never prepared for a complete disaster. Why would you go on a ship if... There was even the remote thought that this whole thing's going to go down. Mm-hmm. That's That wasn't even a concept. Yeah. About a year before the Titanic's maiden voyage, a few small changes were made to its design following the Olympics maiden voyage in June 1911. A few days before its maiden voyage, the Titanic underwent its sea trials and was deemed good to go. And now we've made it. We've made it. We've made it to the day of the maiden voyage. Oh, oh! So, so we've made it to the beginning, to the yeah. to the start line. We've made it to the start. <laughs> <laughs> it's April tenth, nineteen twelve, and the Titanic set off from Southampton, England, to New York City. And amazingly, the very departure did not go smoothly. I have not heard this. Red flags from the get go. There was a small coal fire in one of the bunkers, which would last for days into the voyage, 
Unbeknownst to the passengers. Yes, there yeah. was a compartment of the Titanic that was on fire mm-hmm. for the first several days of the voyage. Uh, the Titanic also almost collided with the SS New York. And the dock was too small to fit the Titanic, so passengers had to be ferried out to the ship. Oh, that's not what I picture. No. It's all these red flags from the get-go. It would be about two hours before the Titanic could officially set sail. And after making its last scheduled stop at Queenstown, Ireland, the ship officially set off for New York City at approximately 1.30 p.m. on April 11th. The goal of the Titanic was to reach New York City on April 17th. Spoiler alert, this isn't going to happen. What? (laughs) You've seen the movie. (laughs) <laughs> so let's get a timeline of the sinking of the Titanic, which I got the majority of this timeline from Britannica. The day is April 14th. The first three days of the voyage went without event other than that fire in the bunker that passengers didn't know about. It was extremely cold, but the waters were relatively calm, meaning that the crew could not spot icebergs ahead because there weren't waves breaking as they hit the icebergs. This isn't an excuse, though, because throughout the course of the day, the Titanic would receive seven warnings of icebergs ahead and that is just that day alone they received a total of 20 warnings about icebergs over the course of their entire voyage after one of these warnings captain edward j smith did slightly change course around 5 50 p.m but the speed was not lowered at 9 40 p.m the Masaba st- steamship sent a warning to the titanic letting them know that there was quote heavy pack ice and a great number of large icebergs ahead We would later learn that the wireless operator, Jack Phillips, did not pass this warning on to the bridge. What the hell, Jack? I don't even have anything to say. Yeah, what the hell, Jack? (laughs) It is worth noting that the operators on board the Titanic were not Titanic employees. They were employees of the Marconi Wireless Telegraph Company. So is it possible that the failure to pass along the message was the result of them not being employed by the Titanic and not sensing the urgency of warning messages like this? How could you not sense the urgency of like, hey, you might crash and die? Yeah. Regardless of what you think in that regard, it's about to get a whole lot worse. We would also learn that after a change of shifts of officers, the crow's nest binoculars had been misplaced, meaning that the lookouts could not see quite as far out as they should have. At 10.55 p.m., the Californian steamship radioed the Titanic to tell them that they were completely stopped and surrounded by ice up ahead. Mm -hmm. Phillips, the wireless operator, responded by telling the Californian to shut up because he was busy. What the f***? Sorry. What the fudge? What the fudge? (laughs) Yeah, no, there's actual um, telegraph strips of paper that say, shut up, shut up. Yes. At 11.35 p.m., the fleet on the Titanic finally spotted an iceberg and rang the bell three times, letting the crew know that there was something up ahead. First Officer William Murdoch ordered for the Titanic to turn left and to cut the engine to avoid the iceberg. He also went and closed the doors of those watertight compartments that we talked about earlier. Only five minutes later, at 11.40 p.m., the starboard side, or the right side, of the Titanic scraped along the iceberg. Mm -hmm. The collision was inevitable between ignoring several warnings, not having binoculars, and the Titanic simply not being nimble enough to completely move out of the path of the iceberg within the five minutes between Murdoch ordering a shift in course and the actual collision. It's no wonder that this tragedy occurred. There's also a controversial theory that perhaps the reason why the captain refused to reduce speed was because of that fire that was down in the bunker. Like they couldn't. Yes. Maybe? Exactly. No, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Now, this podcast is obviously an audio platform, so I'm going to do my best to explain this for our, our audio listeners. When the Titanic hit the iceberg, it created a number of holes in the ship. The hull of the ship, which is essentially the protective outer lining of the ship, was not punctured, but it was dented, which meant that the seams of the hull began to buckle and pull apart. Water immediately began seeping into the ship, filling the mailroom and five of those watertight compartments. Why is there a mailroom on the ship? What kind of mail is made? Like, <laughs> I, I assume maybe it's like telegraph mail. I don't know. Okay, you're right. You're right. I don't know. Maybe sending cutesy little notes. To yeah, that I was like, is it like on... notes? Is yeah. it like texting <laughs> to other passengers on the ship? I don't. I saw you at dinner last night. Yeah, want to you... go get a drink on the the promenade. <laughs> 
Within five minutes of the collision, Thomas Andrews, the designer of the Titanic, surveyed the damage and knowing the Titanic could only remain afloat with four of those watertight compartments flooded, announced that the ship would sink entirely in a matter of one to two hours. This is the part, the whole, like, the designer was on yes. board. Yes. He designed it. Yes. He says, we're sinking in an hour. Yes. I'm telling you, we're sinking. Four or five, more than four are filled. Mm-hmm. We're sinking. And mm-hmm. no one listen there, there wasn't an urgency there yes and then also the fact that you launched a ship i mean never mind we yep. won't get into that but that you launched a ship that was that had flaws had an achilles heel yes to that magnitude exactly 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 within 20 minutes so at 12 a.m on april 15th the lifeboats began to be boarded The crew loading up the lifeboats had no idea what they were doing. Again, no one expected the ship to go down. Of course no one did. Why would you get on a ship if you had any expectation that it would sink? The crew had never really been trained on how to evacuate the ship. In fact, just the day before, Captain Smith canceled a lifeboat drill. So when the crew began loading up these boats, they only filled them to half capacity. When the first lifeboat, lifeboat number seven, took off 45 minutes after the collision... There were only 27 passengers on board, even though the lifeboat could fit 65 people on it. Can I just pause you real quick? I know it's going to be six hours long. Mm -hmm. I've been on a cruise. And I have not. So please tell me. You do as a passenger, not even as a crew member, as a passenger, you do the, you put the The, the drills. You do a drill. I didn't know that. Yeah. Like you put the life vest on, you're told here's this spot is where you come to. And I know that's all because of because this. of this. I know that, but it's just crazy. It that is fascinating to hear that yeah. like how much history really matters. Like I was on a cruise ship to Mexico, like <clears throat> not a big deal along the coast, you know, sure. the Pacific coast. But you still did like and we still readiness did drills. Absolutely, a, a passenger, a passenger, not a crew member. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The number eight lifeboat would take off about fifteen minutes later with only twenty eight passengers on board again it could have fit 65 when the number one lifeboat an emergency cutter that only fit 40 people took off there would be 12 people on board and i there was like there's a part of me that's angry about this but then it's also like they weren't trained they How weren't they trained know? exactly and then also i know I know that there's like stories that, that like nobody was there. They couldn't. Yes. They were like, we need to launch this boat and no one's here. They they, sim- they didn't know how. If you watch the movie, um, you can see how the lifeboats are like cranked out to go down. They literally didn't know how to do that. Yeah. And also several of the crew members said that like, yeah, we know the capacity was like 60 something people, but it looked like it was going to tip over with like 20 something people. So we just stopped it at 20 something people. They just had never been trained. Yeah. It was a combination, again, of the crew not knowing how to properly fill these boats. In addition to the fact that many passengers were unwilling to board them, still thinking that Titanic was unsinkable. The fa- yeah. The fact that it was is coined in, as that. It was yes, the it was. unsinkable ship. Yes, exactly. Much like in the movie, an order was made for the lifeboats to be filled with women and children first, meaning that the majority of the male passengers and crew were left on the sinking ship. As one particular lifeboat left the Titanic, the lifeboat number five, two male passengers actually jumped off the ship and into the lifeboat, injuring a female passenger. I would have done that too. Would you? I don't I don't know what I would have done. I mean, if it was getting to the point where like I see this boat is sinking. It's going now, down, I'm gonna do whatever I can to save my life. Uh I would jump into a boat and injure a female passenger. <laughs> Yeah, I would. At least you know where you would have been in history. I don't know. See, I'm the type of person that the idea of things scare me, but actually doing them, I'm just like, let's do it. I I believe that about you 100%. Let's do it. (laughs) Acting under pressure. (laughs) Captain Smith had Operator Phillips send out a distress call to any nearby ships. The Frankfurt was the first to respond, but they were some 170 nautical miles away from the Titanic. The Titanic sister ship, the Olympic, was about 100 nautical miles away. And the Carpathia, that immediately changed course once they received the distress call, was approximately 58 nautical miles away, meaning that it would take them more than three hours to reach the Titanic. 
Okay, now remember the Californian that we mentioned earlier, the ship that had communicated with the Titanic that they stopped sailing for the night because they were stuck in icebergs up ahead? Mm -hmm. The Californian was only 20 nautical miles away from the Titanic. Yeah, but they couldn't go anywhere. So, well, okay, this is a whole thing. Why didn't they come to rescue them, right? There are several reasons. For one, remember that the operator from the Californian contacted the operator of the Titanic with the iceberg warning, and he was told to shut up. Yeah. Literally. So he's probably like, F- that guy. F that. Additionally, the captain of the Californian chose to stop sailing for the night so that they could navigate through the icebergs during the daylight, which meant that the captain, operator, and other crew members were allowed to go to sleep for the night. Mm-hmm. Again, this is another instance of where laws and things have changed since this, because... Yeah. Like, the radio operators were allowed to go to sleep at night. Like, there wasn't a replacement for Correct. Them. There was not a night shift. There's the big question of if the Californian had responded to the Titanic's distress call, could they have saved more people? We just don't know. The Californian was a lot smaller than the Titanic, did not have many lifeboats, and was also a lot slower. It would have taken about an hour and a half to reach the Titanic, and even if they were there, they likely could not have rescued many people. Hey everybody, it's Rachel. And if you are a coffee addict like Leah and I, you will be just as excited about this week's sponsor as we are. Free Lunch Coffee produces great coffee that is specialty grade, certified organic, and fair trade, all while saving the world. When you buy one bag of Free Lunch Coffee, you are providing 10 meals to children in need. And Free Lunch Coffee gives away 50% of the money they make to end hunger in the lives of young children. How cool is that? If you're not a coffee drinker, but are still passionate about the cause, Free Lunch Coffee also has custom-made mugs and tumblers. Each mug provides 10 meals, and each tumbler provides 20 meals to children in need. They offer a 100% money-back guarantee for 30 days. If you don't absolutely love their coffee, they will give you a full refund. And you can keep the coffee too. Free Lunch Coffee is offering a 10% discount to hashtag history listeners. Just use coupon code hashtag history at checkout. So check them out now at freelunchcoffee.com. At 1 a.m., the water began flooding into the grand staircase. And just like in the movie, as passengers were freaking the F out and waiting to get onto the lifeboats, musicians played on the ship's deck. This part makes me cry. Yes, don't cry. Don't cry. Don't cry. Okay. Accounts differ, but most agree that they continued to play until just before the ship sank. And many believe that the last song they heard performed was Nearer My God to Thee. None of the musicians would survive the sinking. Seeing that the majority of the lifeboats were taken at this point, Captain Smith told his crew to save themselves. He said, it's every man for himself. Smith would go down with the ship and his body would never be recovered. Well, well, one thing, one thing that the movie I feel like got right was his regret and his owning up to his mistakes and and accepting responsibility for what Mm -hmm. had happened. Yeah. Over the course of the next hour, the bow of the ship would continue to sink, eventually tilting the ship so that the stern's propellers were above the water and the lights on the ship went out. What a vision to see. (sighs) That's what I was saying with this episode. Like, as I was putting it together, it was so much like, I can't separate myself from what happened. Yeah. And especially because we have a visual Mm -hmm. aid, right? We have that visual aid, the Mm -hmm. movie, and and an emotional aid that as a kid tied me to this historical event. I think that's it exactly is that I kept because of my visual aid from the movie kept feeling myself pulled back into the story. Yeah. Shortly after 2 a.m. the Titanic broke in half leaving the bow to go completely underwater. It took approximately six minutes for this portion of the ship to sink to the ocean's floor. That's terrifying to me. Six minutes. Because it was like an hour to go underwater and there's still hundreds of people on this ship that were sinking rapidly for six minutes i mean it's not it's (sighs) unimaginable but it's also not surprising when you think of how much that ship weighed sure sure it just it just it terrifies me i don't know just being there yeah and you're dead within six minutes yeah oh 
The back portion of the ship settled for a brief moment before it also rose to a vertical position again and then began to sink itself. By 2.20 a.m., the Titanic officially disappeared beneath the water. This is a little over two and a half hours from the moment the iceberg was struck. The remaining passengers and crew were thrown into the water that was 28 degrees Fahrenheit. At water this cold, many died within minutes from cardiac arrest, cold incapacitation, or simply not being able to breathe. When you're that cold, you can't catch your breath. Which, there's a part of me that's always like, that is almost like a blessing, because I'm sure it was uncomfortable, it was painful. Like, when you're cold, it's painful, but like, then you just go to sleep. I agree with you. You just, your heart just gives out. You know what I mean? Yes. Because, I mean, what you were saying, it was within minutes. We're talking like five-ish minutes that these people passed away once they hit the water. And yeah, I mean, I guess if there can be any blessing, it's that their death was quick. Yeah. Of all of the hundreds of people thrown into the water when the Titanic sank, only five of them were loaded into the lifeboats from there. Although the lifeboats could have fit at least another 500 people on them, many in the lifeboats refused to turn around. And I think this is something really, really important to note because the movie makes it seem like people like Rose that were submerged in the water did end up surviving. But that's simply not true. Only five people that were thrown into the water were rescued by lifeboats. So shocking. It's shocking. But that's I I think that of all the things I learned in this episode, that is one of the biggest ones I learned was I guess I just assumed that more people survived like wading in the water. They didn't. No. Five survived. And these people that did survive, they did essentially what Rose did in the movie by tying themselves to furniture until they could be saved. But the one exception to that was a man named Charles Joffin, who drank so much whiskey that he warmed his insides and was able to wade in the water for some three hours before being saved. This is the truth. And I read several, several sources to confirm this. Because, like, I've heard that whiskey doesn't actually warm you. No, I am confident. I am confident in this fact. He drank an exuberant amount of whiskey. Okay. So the moral of the story is... Drink a lot of whiskey, guys. Keep on drinking on. Drink drink on. Drink on, my friends. (laughs) No, that is a very true story. I know that's outrageous, but it is true. I mean, if I were ever to go on a cruise again, I will be drinking the whole time. Right? The entire time. Right? Yes. That's the whole point. And we'll be able to again in 2022. I'm believing for it. I'm believing. I would go on a cruise? Oh, I don't know if I'm going to do that in the next decade. At the end of this great tragedy, of the 2,240 people aboard, only about 710 people would survive. It's shocking. I mean... This- No, it's shocking. It's shocking. This is only 37% of the passengers with only 24% of third class passengers surviving while 61% of first class passengers survived. There is one particular couple that I want to talk about that died with the ship. And this is where you were saying like you're, you know exactly where you would be in history. This is if I assume this is where I would be in history is remember earlier that I mentioned Isidore Strauss, the owner of Macy's, and his wife Ida that were passengers on the Titanic? Yeah. When Ida was offered a seat on one of the lifeboats, she refused to go because her husband could not go with her. Mm. In their 60s and having been married for over 40 years, they returned to their room on the ship and died there together. That's like, I think they were hinted at it in the movie too. They did, yeah. They, they, the I, couple I, that's just correct. Yeah, an older something. An older couple that just holds hands and dies in bed together. Yeah. The Carpathia arrived around 3.30 a.m., more than an hour after the Titanic sank. It would go around and pick up all the survivors from the lifeboats. The Californian would also arrive, but not until 8.30 a.m., and by then it was much too late. The Carpathia arrived at 9.30 p.m. in New York to a crowd of some 40,000 people. It was devastating. People were lining up, desperate to see if their loved ones had survived. The devastation was felt the most in Southampton, where four out of every five crew members came from. Organizations were there to provide the survivors with blankets, clothing, and transportation. It would take four days before a full list of casualties was released to the public. Okay. We ready for the conspiracy theories. I'm so ready. <laughs> now, there's a lot of them, but I'm only going to be diving into a few. The first and most well-known and, and, and most well-believed theory is that J.P. Morgan was behind the whole thing. So J.P. Morgan, he was the financier of the Titanic, was supposed to be on the maiden voyage, but canceled his trip last minute. 
There isn't really clear information on exactly why Morgan stayed behind. Some say he had to take care of some last minute business. Others say he stayed behind to buy tapestries for his art collection. <clears throat> Maybe I just don't know that life. <laughs> <laughs> Unfamiliar to me. <laughs> Unfamiliar. Either way, as an owner of the International Mercantile Marine Company, God, which owned White Star Line, Morgan had his own suite on the ship and even a personally designed bathtub on the ship. But of those that did make it onto the ship that we have previously discussed, millionaire Jacob Astor, Macy's owner Isidore Strauss, and Benjamin Guggenheim were all business rivals of Morgan's. As the theory goes, each of these men opposed the creation of the Federal Reserve and therefore challenged and threatened Morgan's business objectives. After more thorough research, though, it does not appear as though this was the case. In fact, we know that Strauss actually supported the idea. If you have questions about this theory, such as how Morgan miraculously got all three of his business rivals on the ship, how he managed to get the ship to crash into an iceberg, and how he was okay with killing 1,500 other people just to get rid of his three business foes, good luck getting your answers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, conspiracy theorists do not have any explanations beyond what I have already said, but perhaps run it by a QAnon supporter because they also believe this theory. Of course they do. Yeah. So, I mean, if you have any questions, maybe, you know, run it by them. Maybe they can sort out some of the oh, holes. Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Next theory. This theory circles around the idea that Catholics knew that the Titanic was doomed from the beginning. When you mentioned, when you hinted at this, I was like, I need details. What? What's what? W... UT. Yeah. What? what? <laughs> if you thought that the JP Morgan conspiracy theory was weak, just wait for this one. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to show you a picture, Leah, and tell me what you think. So what I'm showing you is the Titanic's hall number. So this is the hall number, and then you'll also see the hall number backwards. So if you can, like, say what the hall number is. 390904. You sound like a like a air uh, at the airlines. Like, yeah. calling flight number... Yeah. Two, twelve. Or like a um a subway. Yeah, I was gonna announcer. say or a DMP. <laughs> oh calling number A nine zero four. I was gonna say that's less glamorous, but it's not. That's <laughs> both are unglamorous. Same. Yeah, same. Anyway, yeah. Now so those were all numbers. Mm -hmm. Flipped backwards. Can you spell this out as letters backwards? I feel like it's something Pope. I'm gonna say no Pope. Yes. No Pope. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, the four looks like an N, the O looks like it, or the zero looks like an O, nine looks like a P, O, and then P, and then the three looks like an E. No Pope. Ridiculous, right? Stupid. It's ridiculous. As the conspiracy theory goes, Catholics that worked on the ship as it was being constructed saw this message and interpreted it as blasphemy and that this meant harm for the like, ship. Like, what I... I I can't imagine living in... I know they're bored. They don't have Netflix. I get it. <laughs> but, like, could you imagine living in a world where you're like, oh, look at this. Look at this whole number. Oh, let me... What does it look like backwards? And also, I mean, let, let, let's continue with how ridiculous this theory is. Because in addition to, like, that's the theory, right? That this was the Titanic's whole number. It wasn't. <laughs> the Titanic's number was 401. Okay. That whole thing is made up. Okay. Additionally, there would have been no Catholic workers to upset because we know that Harlan and Wolf only employed Protestants following a huge attack on their Catholic workers in 1886. Mm, okay. Great. <laughs> One of my favorite theories is that the sinking of the Titanic was the result of... A mummy's curse. I am also intrigued. Yes, in of course. Yes, of course. As the story goes, the discovery of a mummy in Egypt in the 1890s led to misfortune for everyone involved. Because of this reputation, when a historian was traveling on the Titanic, he hid, supposedly, the mummy under the body of his car and only revealed to other passengers that he had brought the mummy on board on the night before the sinking. The lid of the sarcophagus of this mummy is actually at the British Museum today and is known as the unlucky mummy, but there is no evidence that this mummy and or sarcophagus were ever on board the Titanic. Yeah. Basically, there's a mummy at the British Museum that's called the unlucky mummy and we don't really know its history. Okay. So people have tied it to the Titanic. Okay. With no evidence. Yeah. Now, finally, the theory that the Titanic never sank at all. Yeah. So rewind way, way back to the beginning of this episode when we talked about the fact that the Titanic had a sister ship 
the Olympic, which was nearly identical to it. In fact, Leah, check out this picture that I've uploaded. It's uh, two, the two ships side by side, the Olympic and the Titanic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're identical. The only difference I can see, and it might even just be lighting, is that yes. the, their smokestacks look one looks lighter, one looks darker. Exactly, and I think it's exactly it's it's an account of the light, like the water looks. Yeah, totally the water different. looks different. The sky dark. looks yeah. different. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're identical. Yeah, yes, which was the point. They were identical sister ships. Yep. This conspiracy theory is essentially one of insurance fraud. Now, I swear this whole project was cursed from the beginning because the Olympic had its own major collision just the year before the Titanic sinking, and suffered some major damage herself. During a voyage in September of 1911, the Olympic collided with a British cruiser, tearing huge holes in the Olympic's hull, flooding two of the watertight compartments, and severely damaging one of the propellers. So check out the picture that I've uploaded here of the Olympic's damage. Oh, yeah. It's bad. That's bad. That's like a hole in the ship. Yes. It's really, really bad. Yeah, that's really bad. Any guesses as to who was the captain of the Olympic at the time of the same guy accident? It's the exact same guy. It's it's Captain Smith, the same guy that also and they continued to employ him. You are correct. Okay, just just confirming that. Not only was he in command of the Olympic at this time, but actually two other crew members that were aboard the Olympic at the time of the Olympic accident would also later be on the Titanic, and they actually survived the sinking. Whoa. There were no serious injuries as a result of this accident, and the Olympic was able to return to Southampton for repairs, but this accident would lead to a huge financial setback for the White Star. The Olympic was out of commission for a few weeks while it received repairs. To get the ship back out and running ASAP, they took a propeller from the Titanic to replace the damaged one on the Olympic, further delaying the Titanic's completion. Just a few months later, though, the Olympic would lose a propeller blade while on a voyage, taking again from the Titanic to quickly repair the damage. So the Olympic is cursed. Yes. Okay. 100%. The Olympic was at this point a huge financial burden on White Star and, of course, J.P. Morgan. Mm -hmm. So is it possible that they determined the Olympic was no longer profitable and therefore sneakily switched it out with the Titanic in an attempt to intentionally discard the damaged ship and reap the insurance money along with killing more than a thousand people? Yeah, that's that's the part that's hard. It's like, okay, cool. You want to get rid of a ship. Then maybe you sail it across the ocean saying not passenger ready. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. I... There's very few people. I know they're sociopaths out there. Yes. But there's very few people that have zero regard for human life. For thousands upon thousands of innocent lives. Yeah. Some conspiracy theorists suggest that the insurance on the Titanic was increased from $5 million to $12.5 million only five days before her maiden voyage, meaning that J.P. Morgan received approximately $160 million in today's money in insurance payoffs for the incident. But this is not proven. One of the biggest pieces of evidence to support this theory is that the Titanic was known to have 14 portholes while the Olympic had 16. And the images of the Titanic taking off on its maiden voyage show 16 portholes. This isn't really that suspicious, though, because we know that in the months just before the Titanic's launch, they added two more portholes for better light and air. It's assumed that perhaps they intended to sink the Olympic slash Titanic, knowing that the Californian was nearby and could pick up passengers. To add to this conspiracy, some state that the Californian was carrying thousands of woolly sweaters and blankets when they did eventually arrive at the site of the Titanic crash. So could they have been in on it the whole time and had stored all of these sweaters and blankets knowing that they would need them when they picked up the surviving passengers? This story about the sweaters and blankets has also never been proven. Like, this is the kind of conspiracy theories that I'm just like... Bye. Bye. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I was going to ask if there's any theory that you feel most drawn toward, but all of them are really outrageous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only one I can think most of would be like insurance fraud type of thing, but I still, I want to believe that most people would would not not kill 2,000 people. Yes. Or, you know, like just under 2,000 people. Yes. For money. Yes. I want to believe that. Yeah, I want to believe for that, too. Okay. (laughs) Even being a little bit of a conspiracy theorist myself, none of these sounds very reasonable to me. Naturally, intense investigations were conducted following the sinking of the Titanic, one by the United States and the other by the United Kingdom. The one conducted by the States was significantly more intense. Which is interesting, since (laughs) it was technically a British ship, right? Or no? Yes. Oh, exactly. I mean, I don't find that very interesting. I think it's 
we want to s- scrutinize oh, okay. someone that's not us. Okay, got <laughs> you it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I'm like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Okay. <laughs> One of the items that the U.S. Senate investigation focused heavily on was Bruce Ismay. This episode is long. It's one of our longest yet, so I don't expect you all to remember who he is. But we talked about him early on. He was the chairman of the White Star, and he managed to survive the sinking. The investigation and the public ripped him apart for hopping on a lifeboat while women and children were still aboard the sinking ship. There was also a lot of controversy surrounding Ismay because several witnesses testified to overhearing Ismay pressuring Captain Smith to increase the speed of the Titanic while it was sailing. He's a character in the movie as yes, well, he is. isn't he? Yeah. Yes, he is. I remember. He would never he has a mustache. Yes, so he does. does everyone. No. <laughs> but yes, he has, he has the the handlebar yeah. mustache. Mm-hmm. He would never recover personally or professionally from the criticism brought about throughout the investigation. The final conclusion to the U.S. Senate investigation came just a month and a half after the tragedy in the form of a 19-page report. That seems under that small. Yeah, that seems under small. That seems under small. <laughs> the investigation essentially found that the Titanic staff was not prepared at all for an emergency. Yeah, duh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that the lifeboats had not been properly tested. Yeah, duh. Mm-hmm. That Ismay may not have actually asked Captain Smith to increase the speed of the ship, but just having him on board may have encouraged the captain to do so anyway. Mm-hmm. And that Captain Smith was at major fault for what happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, and also that the investigation, it actually stated that they believed that the Californian had actually been closer to the Titanic than the captain was willing to admit. The tragedy of the Titanic and the results of the investigation, both the one conducted by the U.S. and the one conducted by the U.K., led to several changes in the laws. Mm -hmm. These changes included making it so that every ship must carry enough lifeboats to fit every single person on board in case of an emergency. And it made it so that there had to be constant radio communication between ships. So no more sleepy night shifts. (laughs) Okay, so let's fast forward to more modern day conversation. It would not be until 1985 that an expedition discovered the sunken Titanic 12,000 feet below the ocean surface. Mm. The pictures that you can see of the sunken Titanic are truly incredible. And we owe a lot to this expedition because prior to actually physically locating the Titanic, it still had not officially been proven that the Titanic had split in two prior to completely sinking. Yeah. Sadly, historians think we may only have another 20 or so years before the sunken Titanic is completely unrecognizable as rust-forming bacteria is rapidly consuming it. Yeah, that's not surprising. Obviously, another more modern topic about the Titanic is, of course, the 1997 movie, which was the first movie in history to gross more than a billion dollars, and it won 11 awards. It's like, it's bad, but it's good. It's 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 good. It's good. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> and as something that this history nerd appreciates, it is pretty damn accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, the story of Jack and Rose is not true. Sorry to break it to you, folks. Yeah. But director James Cameron made significant effort to stay as factual as possible. The one major thing that I see as inaccurate and worth noting is that while discrimination, of course, exists in nearly every arena of life, uh, there is no evidence that discrimination actually existed in the course of saving lives that night on the Titanic. In one particular scene in the movie, you see a number of third-class passengers being denied access to the lifeboats while the first-class passengers were given first rights. And in yet another scene, you see third-class passengers being locked below deck by crew members to keep them from attempting to escape. There's no historical evidence to support that either of these storylines actually happened. And actually, as an event planner, I've gone through like event safety trainings Uh and stuff like this, and... The whole idea that people kind of go crazy and do irrational things in moments of panic has actually been proven to be untrue. Most people like stampeding over a human being because you're trying to exit an arena that a bomb just exploded. in. That doesn't generally happen. People are kind. Mm. People will help people they see in need Uh in in emergency, in states Uh of emergency. And I would assume the same would happen here. Have you heard about the stars in the sky of the Titanic movie? Yes, I've heard. Neil deGrasse Tyson actually like said, like, yo, the stars were wrong in your movie, yes. Cameron. And Cameron, like, in the re-release was like, let me fix that, Neil. Yes. <laughs> I-, I love that. Yeah, so exactly what you were just saying. He, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Harvard-trained astrophysicist. And, and that's he, a- the host of Cosmos, if anyone wants to watch that. Yes. And that's exactly what he did. He, he criticized James Cameron for not 
not having a historically accurate night sky in that one scene where Rose is like looking up at the sky mm-hmm. after the sinking. Um, and so, like you just said, in the 2012 release of the 3D version of the Titanic, Cameron corrected his mistake and replaced that scene with an accurate depiction of what the night sky would have looked like on April 15th, 1912 at 4.20 a.m. Yeah. I, you gotta love a guy that's open to criticism. Oh, totally. And and he said, like, I am a perfectionist and I should have caught that yeah. my first time around. Yeah. The fact that, like, the staircase was an identical match like shows you that that he is a perfectionist yes now i have to end this episode by telling you about the titanic museum in tennessee have you heard about it no now i'm not kidding when COVID is over this is the first thing i'm doing you're going to tennessee (laughs) yeah okay now there's this really super cheesy tour promo video but i'm gonna have you watch it anyway leah cheesy (laughs) it's the whole it's the ship in tennessee yes and you get a boarding pass that has the name of one of the people that were was a passenger on the original Titanic. It looks cheesy. No, but I'm going. Like, I want to go. You said. You said cheesy. You said cheesy. I said the promo was cheesy. I didn't say the museum was cheesy. I mean, all museums have a little cheese factor. Okay. Pretty cool, though, right? I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's literally, it's the ship. You get a boarding pass, like a ticket that has mm-hmm. the name of an original person that was on the ship. And at the end, you figure out if you lived or not. That's cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm <laughs> cool. Couple, like, Yikes. judgments. <laughs> Few hesitations. Yeah. Uh, no, I also can't let this episode end without saying that the longest surviving member of the Titanic was a woman named Melvina Dean, who only just died in May of 2009. Was she the one who Rose was based on? It's been 80 years. <laughs> yes. No, I don't think so. <laughs> but she was only nine weeks old when the Titanic sank. Oh, yeah, definitely not. No. Based. Okay. Which, which made her the youngest passenger on board. And when she passed away in 2009, she was 97 years old. Wowza. Pretty cool. Yeah. And the final, final thing that must be addressed is the fact that they are making a Titanic Two. I just so it's so icky. it's cringy. It's icky. It's set to launch in 2022, constructed to carry 2,400 passengers, and is supposed to be a near identical replica to the OG Titanic. I will not be on this ship. Yeah, I, it's like I'm into dark history. We're we're both into dark history. Sure, that goes too far. Yes, and I that need is to- like icky. I'm into going to a museum of to a replica of the Titanic that does not go on the water. Yeah. I don't want to tempt fate. This no. is too far. This is too far. And anyone that's going to get on this Titanic too, good luck. <laughs> good luck. listening to this episode of hashtag history we will share the pictures that we discussed on the episode to our instagram and all sources used to put together this episode can be found on our website at hashtag history pod.com you all know the drill subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you use share about us on instagram and then give us a rate and review and speaking of instagram be sure to check us out on there at hashtag history underscore podcast thank you bye bye This is a good harmony. (laughs) Sorry, I was just looking over to make sure I was recording still. Oh, I always check every now and then. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't matter. Maybe I was like voice talking. Oh, that's weird. Anyway, that was really weird. Here we are. Okay. Okay. Uh, we're Stop staring all that out. <laughs> That's literally what I say is like, I will never go on this ship <laughs> with the periods in between. Molly Ringwald. No. Kathy- <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> Kathy Bates. <laughs> Where did that come from? I knew that you knew it wasn't right. That's why it was so funny. I have to hold my Oh my god, my stomach hurts. I got so it right bad. after. Okay, I'm gonna say it again and you'll you'll repeat. I said Kathy B. But I think I was laughing through okay. all of that. Okay, I'll say it again. <laughs>
Okay. <laughs> Molly Rinkwall. <laughs> I said it with such force. And then you were like, what the f***? It just, it just came out of my mouth. Oh, shit. Okay. The Masaba. Oh, God. <clears throat> Do you need water? Now? No, I'm okay. I feel like I'm sobered up now. I like, know. That's how I feel, too. <laughs> <laughs> Laughter apparently sobered. Unfortunately. <laughs> Leading the bow. Why did I say bow? I almost said bow again. Leading the bow to complete. It is bow. Bow? <laughs> Didn't you say bow earlier? The bow of the ship. Did I say bow earlier? You said bow. Okay. <clears throat> Tying, typing. Yeah. That doesn't even make sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the pineapple. The pines. The napples. The napples. <laughs> I'm going to call call them that from now on. Okay, before we get to this next blooper clip, I did just have to explain what's happening. I turned the volume way up because we were like not right next to the mic when it happened. But basically, I, in a funny way, dropped my ice cube. Regardless, I made Rachel laugh and she almost died. And you can hear that in this clip. So have fun. The iceberg has kind of...